If you don't mind, stand for the reading of the Word of God. We want to give honor to, to Him because He is greater than any situation. And we stand in honor of Him because we want His Word to take root in us. So I'm, I'm going to read one verse of Scripture, then I'm going to let you be seated because we've got a lot that we're going to go into here in the Word of God. Genesis chapter 37 verse 1 says this, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed in the land of Canaan. See that, say that again. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed in the land of Canaan. Anyone ready to go deep into understanding your calling? There will be times in your walk with God that you will not hear his voice. There will be times in your walk with God that you will know that you've got a designation on your life. But you may not know what that is. And God is going to speak to you in a way and through a manner that is outside of human control. And today's sermon, which I'm just simply titling this, Calling Joseph, is all about learning to respond to the call even when we don't hear it. Keep your Bibles open. Let's open up our hearts. Father, right now in the name that is above every name, in the name of Jesus, we ask that your word come alive in us today, God. Lord, anything we've brought into this house with us, Lord, we're just going to lay it at the altar because you're greater than that. We're not going to allow depression and anxiety to have any room in this place. We're not going to allow the work of the enemy to even get air in our life right now, Lord, because we are leaning into your word. We know that we are the children of God. We know that we are your people. And so, Lord, bring us an understanding and illumination of that. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. amen. If you're going to preach with me, you can be seated. Amen. I'm excited today. Before we get into the word, I want to say buena asafiwe to our family in Kenya. We love all of you. We miss you. Cannot wait till the world opens up and we get to come back and worship with you and baptize people with you and just go to all of those nine different locations where we have people that are part of the NOLA family gathering. That's really cool. Ashley in Australia, we love you. All of our military families that are out, some of them deployed, some of them getting ready to deploy, we love you as well, and we are praying with you. And I'm excited about this sermon series that we are in. If, if this is your first time, please go to nolachurch.com. Get caught up on any of the sermons. If you don't like going to websites, go to YouTube because that's an app that's not a website. So you can go to YouTube, look for NOLA Church on the YouTube app, and you can see us there. Or if you have the NOLA Church app, you can also watch them there. You can get caught up on all the sermons. We even have a podcast. If you have Spotify, you can follow our podcast. If you have Google Podcasts, you can follow our podcast. If you have the, uh, used to be iTunes, I don't know what they call it now, Apple Music or whatever, we even have our podcast there as well. We got the stuff where you can get it, amen? Say, so why do you do that? Because you need to know what the Word of God says about you. We know what the Word of God says in a general sense, but you need to learn how to apply this, and that is what we are doing in this series. And we, we started this a few weeks ago. This is actually part four. And if you missed any of it, that's okay. I'm going to touch on a few things that kind of bring you up to speed. But what I'm doing intentionally is I'm preaching through six patriarchs of faith that we find throughout the book of Genesis. And we started with the man Abraham, and we went to his son Isaac. And then last Sunday was about Jacob. Today is about Jacob's son Joseph. Next week will be about Moses, and the week after that will be about Joshua. And we are learning what it means to be called by God. And the reason that I'm digging into this is because there's a lot of Christianese in the world. And what I mean by that, this is a language that only Christians speak. This is a, a Christianese language that is all about just talking little buzz phrases and little buzzwords that only other believers may be familiar with. And in Christianity, people like to drop the phrase, well, I'm called to do this, or I feel the Lord is calling me to do this. Anyone ever heard a phrase like that? Okay, that's not biblical, that's Christianese. That's basically a made-up language. It's kind of like Pig Latin, like nobody really speaks that. Like Louisiana French or Cajun French, that's not a real thing. They made it up down here, you know, it's just, that's a joke, relax. Aye. But anyway, Christians have this, jargon that we speak and we say things like I feel the Lord calling me to do or I feel the Lord calling me to this direction so that I can do 
Or I feel like the Lord is placing this title on me. Right? Notice what is in every bit of that. It's a focus on me and what I'm doing. Because what we're actually saying is, I need attention, so I want you to notice me, and God is doing something in me so that you notice me and you fixate on me because that way I can hide what's really going on behind the surface. It's like, look at the shiny thing in my hand, but don't look at the depravity that's in this hand. Y'all with me? That's not what calling is. Calling, as we've learned over the last few weeks, is God drawing you into a place of intimate relationship with himself. Calling is not a title. Calling is not a position. Calling is not even a responsibility to action. Calling is literally God saying, I want you to be intimate with me. So if you've ever dropped the phrase or someone's ever dropped the phrase on you, I am called to be, you need to correct them. No, no, you are called to be in an identity, not to do. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. You're not called to do, you're called to be an identity. You're not called to do something. Y'all with me? So it's easy to get caught up in this. And if we understand that calling from God has nothing whatsoever to do with our purpose, that's another Christianese buzzword that ties in very deeply with modern day culture right now. Like we're all looking for purpose. Like what's my purpose in life? Why was I created? Why, am I, why was I born? Why, was, why do I live here? Why? We're looking for purpose. And the whole reason that we're looking for purpose and the whole reason that we're looking for something beyond ourselves is we don't truly know who our God is. And we believe that our God is religious we believe that our God is whatever brand of Christianity we grew up in. We believe that that's God. But no, no, let's correct it. God is real and he's a living and he is alive. Amen? Y'all all feel quiet for this Mardi Gras Sunday. I'm still going to preach. Y'all with me? All right, so don't, don't, don't get too quiet on me. I go longer because I think I'm coming for you. you know, so I like lean in. But like God is so much more than anything that we think we understand about him. And he does not need us to do anything. In fact, Jesus said in the, in the book of John, he's talking to his disciples, he said, there's only one thing that God requires of you. Like, wait, I thought that I had like thought. No, there's one thing. Look at your neighbor and say, there's one thing. No, y'all ain't preaching. Look at him and tell him like you preach him and say, there's one thing. There's only one thing that God requires of you. Hear this. Believe that he sent and believe the one who is sent. Jesus is talking about himself in both things. The spirit of God sends the physicality of God. So we need to believe that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And we need to believe that Jesus Christ robed himself in flesh, lived and died and walked and did all the things and resurrected among us to show us that we can be in relationship with God himself. We don't need to do anything. God does not need employees. God is looking to be in relationship with you. And all he needs you to do is simply believe. So what is belief? We've been diving into this over the last 18 months. Trust, rely, obey. Hey, there we go. Trust, rely, obey. Trust, rely, obey. There you go. That's what belief is. Belief is not, well, I know there's a God. Good for you. The devils know there's a God. You're not special because you know there's a God. Like, that's like saying, I'm breathing. Good. Gold star for being alive. You know? We're not special because we acknowledge that there is a deity. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to rely on him. And then he wants us to simply obey. Well, I don't know how to obey. Trust and rely and obedience just overflows. All right, so there's the foundation. That's what calling is all about. And today we are diving into the subject of, of the man Joseph and, and our initial scripture that we're reading out of Genesis 11 or 37, we find out that Jacob, Joseph's father, was living in the land where his father had stayed and he is in the land of Canaan. You have to understand this about the land of Canaan. This is the land that God gave to Abraham in a promise. 
God said, Abraham, I want you to leave comfort and I want you to go to a place that I will show you. I've got a place designated for you and when you get there, I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to give it to your descendants. The calling of God always builds on what he has already told the people who have gone before you. He's not going to take away from it. He's just going to simply build on that foundation. So Abraham's family had actually come back to Canaan, but they did not possess the promise yet. Somebody hear me. You may be walking in the field that God has called you to be in, but it's not your possession yet because there's some things that he needs to develop in you before you can handle the responsibility. Just going to be kind of drifting down through here, and you'll see them on the screen, but in, in, in chapter 37, we start talking about Joseph right around the end of, of verse 2. And we find out that Joseph was, a, the Bible calls him a youngster, and he was working with his brothers. And, and all, of, all of the other sons of Jacob were older than Joseph, and now he's, he's a youngster. And, and in culture, that means he was probably somewhere between 9 years old and possibly 13 at the oldest, somewhere in that range. Everybody say youngster. youngster. He was a youngster, and he was working with his brothers. And notice this, Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. We're starting to see a little bit of the foundation of the story of Joseph. How many of y'all don't like them tattletales that have been in your life? Anybody got a sibling that just would go run back and tell everything? Like even when you try to get them to do it with you so that they, they, they still go back and they rat you out. Like, we're going to learn here in a few minutes. Joseph's brothers did not care for him at all. We're starting to see why. But as I was getting ready to preach today and I began to dive into this, God began to show me some things about Joseph that are even revealed in these passages of Scripture that possibly don't line up with where we just naturally went. We think, oh, well, the little jerk, he's running and telling everything. He His brother's like, Teased him and dad, they're teasing. That's not what we see here. There are two things about Joseph's character that I want you to hang on to as we kind of drift through and travel through the scriptures over the next few chapters. I want you to notice first his faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. And then I want you to notice his wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. These are two things about Joseph that are extremely important. And the reason that Joseph went back and gave a report to his father. In fact, if you, if you read this and you dive into the original text, in no shape, matter, or form is this a negative report. He is simply going back and telling his father what was happening with his brothers. He is faithful to the responsibility he has been entrusted. You can start to see some things about Joseph very early on into this. We drop down to verse 5 and we start to see he goes back and he tells his brothers or tells his father things about his brothers. He's younger than all of them significantly. And things begin to unravel. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. Anybody have that person in your life that's just always telling you something that's better? Like you tell them like, man, I got a new job. Oh, really? I got a promotion. I got my own company. Man, I, I've been looking for a new pair of shoes. I found the most comfortable shoes. Let me tell you about the most comfortable shoes you will ever find. <laughs> that phrase, that ain't nothing, is always the beginning of somebody getting upset at somebody else. And this is where we see him. Joseph was faithful to his father, and Joseph was someone that God had already entrusted calling to. But here's the problem. Joseph had never heard from God what the calling is. He's just living life, being faithful and growing in wisdom. And his faithfulness causes him to be set apart from the rest of his family. And in this place, God says, I'm going to give you a dream. And in this dream, God begins to show things to Joseph that are beginning to be the evidence of the calling that we see. But you see, Joseph's wisdom was not all the way mature yet. Somebody hear me. 
you got to know that sometimes we know things, but we don't know it all the way, and we probably shouldn't tell people everything that we know. Like, no one needs Encyclopedia Britannica constantly. Well, let me tell you my opinion on that scripture. Why don't you just close your mouth, open your ears, and open your heart, and let the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, begin to tell you everything, right? But we've all been in that place where we're really, really excited about what God's doing. We're really, really excited about what God is speaking to us. We have the dream, and we come out, hey, i got to tell you my dream. And the brothers went, fool, shut up. Can we blame them? Here's a little pipsqueak. Here's youngster, as the Bible says, coming and trying to tell me. You see this a lot in Christianity, the seasoned saints that have been around for a minute. When a new believer comes in and gets all fired up, and the seasoned saints are just like, how do they know anything? Or, why do they get to be on stage and I don't get to be on stage? Or, why are they leading a small group and no one's ever asked me? Right? This happens. We all have the elder brother's syndrome from time to time. We all do. It's not, it's not evil, it's human. We see other people being elevated what, out, out of time, we think. But we have no idea what's going on. And while Joseph is being faithful to what he's been entrusted, he receives the dream, he goes and tells it. He watched something happen with his brothers and he went and told his dad. He's being faithful with what he's seeing, but he doesn't have all the wisdom. He probably shouldn't have told on his brothers in front of them. He probably also should not have gone and ran his mouth about the dream he was having before he fully understood what God was saying or doing. He said to them, listen to this dream I have. And then he starts telling them this dream like, by the way, y'all, in this dream that I had, it was awesome. I was in charge of everyone, including you. You were all bowing down to me and I'm awesome and all of you suck. Right? And the brothers are like, I'm going to end you. I have an older brother. And, and in our case, it, it was the opposite. He's never going to watch this, so I can get away with this. But I'm just, he was always the, the, the perfect one. I was the one who always struggled, you know, with humanity. But he always had these grand ideas. And my, my sister, who's older than him, she and I were kind of like the bookends of his awesomeness. And like, we were suffering and he was just, oh, you know, every place he walked, you know, like he's walking on clouds, like his feet never get dirty. If you ever meet him, you're going to know, he's going to walk in, you're going to immediately feel cleansed of all of the wrong in your life. I jest, he's really a really good guy. But he would always talk about all these dreams and my sister and I were just like, shut. Mom and dad would go out of town and, and Miles would like get, get us all involved in something. And as soon as mom and dad would get back, let me tell you what they did while you were out of town. I, I don't like that. Sometimes when you get a dream from God, you just can't wait to share it. You're being faithful with it, but you don't have all the wisdom you need yet. And you're talking a little bit out of turn. Don't get upset when people pull away from you. Hey, hey, believer, is everyone you're sharing your dream with backing away from you? Might be time to close your mouth. You might be talking out of turn. Okay, I must be in everybody's grits today because y'all are just looking at me like, look, you could be sitting outside in the cold and rain getting a $2 trinket that you got at Walmart any other time, you, but you didn't have to go to parade today. So y'all at least be excited that I'm preaching to you. I'm throwing something at you right now. It's the truth of God. There you go. And you can keep your clothes on and get it all. Right? It's awesome. All right. Now y'all are still with me. Praise the Lord. The Bible says that in verse 8, they hated him even more. But notice why they hated him. Because of his dream and because of what he said. He had a dream. God gave him the dream. But because it was being delivered through the wrong timing, they hated what God was telling him. Notice, 
It never stopped being what God told him. It just was not in the right time. So they hated him because of the dream and because of the words coming out of his mouth. And poor old guy, he just, he, he can't, Joseph can't get right. Like he's waking up, y'all hate me? Guess what? Verse 9, I had another dream. Like, bro, read the room. Like, this is getting negative fast. Like, everybody in your family is looking down their nose at you. Your brothers are pulling away from you. They're all big enough to end your life with, like, their, like, backhand. And you're showing up at breakfast telling yet another dream. And then he, not only did he have the dream, he was being faithful with what he had been entrusted, and he tells them again. Drop down to verse 10. And when he told his father and his brothers, notice what happened here. His father rebuked him. Saying, what is this dream that you had? Okay, this is where we've got to drop in. I need everybody to pay attention to me. Especially you young believers that you, you really feel like God's doing something. Hear me. There's a difference between vision and dreams. They are both vital. They are both from God. But there is a difference between a vision and a dream. Vision will not go to the new believer. Vision goes to the patriarch. Vision goes to the foundation. And I know it's quiet in here, but I want you to hear me. You're not going to receive vision for your life from God. God will speak it through the leader that is in your life. He will give you dreams. But I don't know if your dreams are anything like my dreams. I don't dream that often, but when I do, like I'm in the middle of doing something, all of a sudden an elephant pops out of the side wall, you know, like... I see myself in Africa and we're ministry and then the balloons begin to come out of the ground. Like dreams don't make sense, right? Like you'll have something that's so vivid and then like the cotton candy begins to come down off the trees. Like, here's the reason. Dreams are not the end of the thing. Dreams will connect you to the vision, but they are not all of the details. You don't need to run with a dream you need to see that the dream is connecting you to the vision. You go back to the one who has been entrusted with the vision and allow them to speak it to you to bring you some clarification. The problem with so many believers, especially new believers, is they get a dream from God and they take off running. They, they take off telling it. And they don't understand why people are pulling away. And they also don't understand why they keep falling flat on their face. You're running with a dream, but you need the vision. Jacob. His father had already had a vision from God. You see, Jacob not only had a vision from God at Bethel, this is what we learned last week, he had also had a personal encounter where he wrestled with God until God began to do something in his life. Jacob knew who God is. Jacob is the one who had been entrusted the vision. At this point, Joseph is just simply getting little touches to, for God to establish a relationship with him. But he doesn't know everything. And it's not time to run tell the world everything God's speaking into you because you don't understand it yet. You need to take that dream and go lock it into the vision. This is why statements like, well, I'm, I, I just feel like the Lord is leading me here. Have you checked it with the visionary in your life? I promise you God's not going to speak it to you without speaking it to the visionary first. It's amazing the times, and I'm, is it okay if I pastor here real quick? This is your first time here. I don't normally preach like this. Just, just stay with me. This is where God wants us to go today. Y'all come back next week. We're going to have food after I get done. It's going to be awesome. But it amazes me the times that people come to me to tell me what God is saying into their life. And the more that I dive into it, first off, it doesn't align with the Word of God, and God has never spoken anything to me about it but they are ready to make a decision in that moment. Here's the deal. God doesn't give vision to everyone. I know that that's very counter-Christian culture, but it's the truth. God doesn't trust vision to everyone. He trusts it to the people that He has made foundational. Then He gives dreams to the congregation. He gives dreams to the family to lock them into the vision, but the vision is spoken through the leader. 
This is why Jesus gave four gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers. The reason he gave these four gifts is to literally take the vision, give it to you, and show you how to live the vision out. You need a pastor in your life. You, and if I'm your pastor, you need me in your life. It's, it's not that I think that I'm special. Y'all, I struggle with the same identity issues that you do. But you need a pastor in your life that's going to speak vision to you. And you need to know and you need to trust that your pastor is hearing from the Holy Spirit. Because if I'm not, you need to go find a pastor who is. But here's the way you're going to know. If what I say lines up here, then you can trust it. The moment that it moves from here, stop listening to me. This makes sense? I'm not mad about anything. Just letting y'all know. Just like, And I'm also not dealing with any problems. I'm just laying some foundation. Like everybody's like, he doesn't know about that yet. You're right, I don't. But I'll find out. He goes and he tells his fathers and his brothers and they, they get upset. And you look in verse 11, his brothers were jealous of him. But notice what, what happens with Jacob. His father kept in mind what Joseph had said. The brothers don't understand the context because he's faithful with what he's been entrusted, but it's out of time. He's not operating in a lot of wisdom here. And the brothers are pulling away from him. They're jealous of him. But his father, even though he had to rebuke him, even though he had to realign him with God's vision for the family, the father held on to that dream. And here's the deal. Patriarchs and foundational leaders in your life, those people that God has entrusted spiritual authority for you are going to hang on to those dreams. So don't keep them to yourself. Go tell your leaders because they can tell you if it's bad pizza or if it's God. Thank you for the laugh. The one laugh that I got today. Thank you so much. You are scared to death that I'm coming for you. I'm not. I'm just laying foundation. Okay, here's the deal. Things begin to go south in the story very, very quickly at this point. If you spend some time in the rest of chapter 37, you're going to find out that Joseph comes out on an errand from his dad and he's going to, he's going to deliver some messages to his brothers and, and kind of get a report to go back and tell dad. And they see him coming from a long ways off and they say, we're going to deal with this fool for the last time. And ultimately, they throw him in a pit and they decide that they're going to sell him off to their cousins, the Ishmaelites. The Bible says the Israelites take him at the end of chapter 37. They, they take him to Egypt and they sell him. And right here in chapter 38, God just drops in another little part of the story that's not anything to do with Joseph. We don't know how long this takes, but I want us to hop back into chapter 39. Is it okay if we do a little bit of Bible study here today? Okay, I want to jump into to chapter 39. And I want you to see what God is doing in Joseph's life. Here's the thing you've got to understand. Just because you might be operating out of the right time does not mean that God is not working in you. Just because you have not heard directly from God, this is your calling, does not mean that God is not working in your life. God is working all things. I don't, I don't remember the name of that song. We used to sing that song. He is working all things for my good. Let's put that one back in the mix. There, That's just a great song because it reminds us, even when I can't see him, he's still working, right? Even when I don't fully understand, God says, I don't like this. He's still working. War is breaking out. He's still working. Things aren't going the way that I want them to go. He is still working. But you see, I got sold into slavery. He's still working. I, I was like my, my dad's favorite. I had a coat of many colors. Everything was going great. I was having dreams. He's still working. God's not offended by our circumstance. Neither is he limited by our situation. Somebody needs to hear me today. God has a plan. Chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. An Egyptian named Potiphar, an official of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard. Notice this. At this point, things begin to like pop to the surface. First off, they sell him into slavery, but who's the people who pick him up? His cousins, the Ishmaelites. The Bible says a person's gift makes room for itself. 
Stop trying to elevate yourself. If it's from God, it will make room for itself. You don't need anyone to respond to you asking for an opportunity. If it's from God, the opportunity will open up in front of what God has put in you. Does that make sense? Well, don't they know my gifting? Maybe it's not a gifting. Maybe it's just a dream and it's not time. Right? They put him in a pit, sell him into slavery, but it was his distant family who picked him up. They take him to Egypt. Look what happens. His distant cousins take him and sell him into slavery to Potiphar. An official of Pharaoh. At this point in history, Pharaoh was the ruler of the world. Not just in his own mind like a lot of the modern day world leaders. Like he actually was the leader of the world. He, he was the top dog. There was nobody greater in world politics at this time than Pharaoh. He was an official of Pharaoh and he was a captain of the guard. And Potiphar purchased him from the Ishmaelites who brought him there. But notice verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. How do we know that the Lord was with Joseph? He was successful and lived in the household of his Egyptian master. You may not understand why the circumstance is happening, but if you are a God-called believer, the Lord will be with you even in the midst of something that is devastating. And you will know that the Lord is with you when things begin to work out without you having to work for them to work out. Verse 3, his master, notice this, his master Potiphar, the official under Pharaoh, the captain of the king's guard, his master observed that the Lord was with him. It will be evidence to everyone around you that God is with you if God is actually with you. Even people who don't know God will recognize something different in your life. And then the Lord made everything he was doing successful. He noticed there was something in his life. Does, does anybody, you've ever heard the phrase divine favor, right? Divine, what is favor? The favor of God that is something where God's character goes out before you, works the issue out before you ever get there. You don't even know what God's doing and then you walk into it as if you're just walking around. But the favor of God has already prepared the way for you. This is exactly what's happening with Joseph. Because when you are faithful with what you've been entrusted, even if you get out of time, if you are faithful with what God has begun to give you, God will begin to work in your situation without you having to beg for it. The problem is we hang on to the drama of life. We fixate on everything negative. We want everyone to hear what's going bad in our story instead of us being faithful to what we've been trusted. Instead of being faithful with the relationship that we have been drawn into, we lean into the drama because then we get the pats on the back. We get the likes on social media. We get the extra followers, right? We get that sense of affirmation because someone noticed our problem. You don't see Joseph. <laughs> My dad loved me. I was a favorite. I had a really cool coat. You don't see him doing this. You see him being faithful with what he had already been given. You see, Joseph never let go of the dream just because it looked like the dream had let go of him. God was still working in his situation. Notice this. Verse 4, so Joseph found favor in Potiphar's sight and became his personal attendant. Wait a minute, this, this is a Hebrew slave sold to Potiphar as a piece of property. But there was something so different about him that this man who doesn't even know who God is says there's something different about you. I'm going to bring you in and I'm going to give you favor and I want you to be the closest person to me. Notice this, Potiphar appointed Joseph overseer of his household and put him in charge of everything he owned. This is a kid. This is a kid who's not even old enough to do this. This is a kid with zero experience. Hear me. This is a kid who was the tattletale. This is the kid that had dreams and just felt like he had to tell everybody. This is a kid who had been kidnapped by his own family, put in a pit, sold into slavery. This is a piece of property, yet he has been entrusted as overseer over everything 
this extremely powerful, influential man had. From the time Potiphar appointed him over his household and over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptians' household for Joseph's sake. You see, God may want to take you in the calling. Somebody hear me. God may want to take you in the calling from a place of comfort. In fact, I promise you, he's going to take you out of comfort. He's going to take you from this place of comfort and he's going to allow you to go through some things. Notice I didn't say he made it happen. He allows it to happen. Why? Because you need to go through a series of developmental stories to get you ready to handle what the calling is really all about. You are not ready when you get the dream. Especially, you know that you're not ready when you feel like you got to tell everybody what the dream's all about. Close your mouth. Be faithful. Learn some wisdom. God's developing you. And his development does not look like what we think it would look like. Right? But if you are faithful with what he told you in the dream, and you're walking with it, and you don't turn into the drama, and you don't lean into the mess up and you don't lean in to what feels natural in the moment. You stay faithful to who he is and what he is putting in you. And you place yourself under the responsibility of spiritual authority. I promise you, God is going to take you to a place that does not even look like it's supposed to happen. And then he's going to begin to elevate you from this place. It doesn't look like it's supposed to, but God is going to begin to elevate you because the giftings of God are without repentance. And if he places his hand on you, he's not going to let go until he is done working in your life. God had him in the situation, and God sees him being faithful even in this ungodly pagan's house. Joseph doesn't change to become like Potiphar. He hangs on to who he is. And God says, I can work with that. Development is happening. And this kid who has no experience at all is put in charge of everything. And God says, that is good. Hey, Potiphar, I'm going to bless everything you have. Not for you. You don't even know who I am. But for Joseph. Why am I at the job that I'm at? Everybody at my job, it's just a toxic environment. I need to find a new job because this environment is so ungodly. What if God has you there to be faithful with the calling? What if God is going to make a change in that story, but he's going to do it for your sake, but if you just cut and run just because it got uncomfortable? Pastor, you're meddling now. You're right. You're welcome. Verse 6, so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. He gave no thought to anything except the food that he ate. How crazy is this? This immature punk is in charge of everything. And the dude with all the stuff just goes like, yeah, whatever he says. (laughs) That's crazy, y'all. But, but, this is what cracks me up. Like, I love how the Bible is put together. Like, when this is all written, there were no paragraphs or anything like that. The translators go in and do paragraphs. The very next paragraph, which is actually a part of this, is just, is just like really crazy to me. Like, here's this immature kid that is sold into slavery by his own brothers, and now he's taken to a foreign country that is completely outside of God. He gets entrusted responsibility in this very powerful rich dude's life, and the the dude trusts him in, like, God's blessing all this. And then it says at the end of verse 6, now Joseph was well-built and good-looking, like, (laughs) just trying to be like you. (laughs) Must be nice. You know, just like... Like, that's it. Why? He's a punk. It's like Moses who wrote this in. Like, dude, Joseph was plickety-clack cacao. You know, like, this is, like, why do we even need to know this? Well, the reason you need to know this, the part of this story that I'm going to just kind of gloss over here in 39, because Potiphar's wife, that's the only thing that Potiphar had not given Joseph, but Potiphar's wife is like, dang. And she's like, she's deciding that, that she wants her some Joseph. Here's the deal. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. When you are faithful to the calling, there will be people that see what's in you and they desire it for their own uses. Don't run to it. 
it's not from God, even if it feels good. Y'all with me? Sister Potiphar, I don't know her name. Petunia, I don't, I don't know her name. She sees her some Joe and she's like, whew. The price was right in this moment. And she's like, she's throwing it down. But notice what Joseph does. You need to take some time and read this. Joseph is like, no. How would I do this thing against God? Faithful to the call, even if it doesn't fit culture. Somebody, I'm going to say that one more time because I'm not sure enough of y'all. Faithful to God, even if it does not fit culture. I'm not going to do this thing against God and I'm not going to do this thing against your husband Potiphar because he trusts me. I am faithful. But Joseph didn't go tell Potiphar what happened. He's learning a little bit of wisdom. Y'all with me? Notice the development. Started off just telling everything. Now he's got responsibility and he probably learned some lessons. You might learn some things from the world that you've been placed in. Learn the lessons. Gain the wisdom. Allow the development to continue. God's not finished. It's not time to be on the stage yet. It's not time for the limelight yet. You might get there, but you're not going to get there if you don't learn the lesson in the process. Got hit with temptation, but I'm not talking about it. I'm just going to remain faithful. And I'm bringing it down here. And I'm going to lock into who I am in Jesus Christ, not in what the world says about me. But Sister Potiphar went and told Mr. Potiphar all about it. Takes it a little bit out of context. Well, they said it through. Yeah, it didn't happen the way that she said it happened. And Potiphar gets ticked off. Jumping jump to verse 20. Joseph's master took him and threw him into prison. Like, this sucks. He had already been in a pit. He had already been sold into slavery. He had been given responsibility. He was faithful with what God called him, called him to do. He was faithful in his identity, yet he is still thrown into prison. Someone learned the lesson. And here's the lesson. It wasn't just any prison. It's the prison where the king's prisoners were confined. It may not look like God is elevating you, but he is moving you around on the chessboard of the game that he's playing, and he's putting you in position. you got to let him move you. Just be faithful in the process. Learn the wisdom in the development, and watch what God does in you. Verse 21, just in case anyone forgot, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him kindness. What kind of God shows you kindness by putting you in prison? The kind that can see the end of the thing from the beginning of the thing. And God granted him favor in the sight of the prison warden. Like, like Joseph can't lose. All he does is win, win, win. Verse 22, the warden put all the prisoners under Joseph's care. Wait, this is the punk that in their mind had made a pass at, at, the, at the chief cat daddy's wife. But the warden put all the prisoners under Joseph's care and he was in charge of whatever they were doing. And notice this, the warden didn't concern himself with anything that was in Joseph's care. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And whatever he was doing, the Lord was making successful. Because he was faithful. He was gaining wisdom. And he was allowing God to develop him. And he wasn't running his mouth about everything. He was learning to not get weary in well-doing. Y'all with me? This okay? Y'all ready to go a little bit deeper? Jump into chapter 40. Remember, this is not just average prison. This isn't like Paris jail. This is like the, this is the prison where, where Pharaoh's prisoners go. This isn't for the average thief. This is where like you're close to the king. You offend him for any reason. He doesn't just throw you out into, the, into gin pop. He puts you into a special place. This is like white collar prison, right? You know, with your cable TV and... 
If you watch the mob movies, you get to cook your garlic in your own cell and all that stuff. I, I'm not sure if that's real, but that, I imagine that like you walk in and the, like violins are playing. I'm pretty sure it wasn't like that. But, but there were two individuals. There were two individuals that were also thrown into this prison at this time. And here's the thing. You may not understand why God is moving you the way that he's moving you, but God has someone that he wants you to bump into that may not even be anyone you've ever met, but if you are faithful to what he's doing, God is going to make these strategic connections that he's been working on for a whole lot longer than you. There was a cupbearer and there was a, a baker who worked directly with the king. The king's cupbearer was the dude that would have to drink the king's drink before the king did to make sure it wasn't poison. How would you want that job? <laughs> I'm thirsty. Bring me a drink. And you're like... <laughs> like he's a king's cupbearer. The baker is the one making the food for the king. You can't get much closer... Something had happened in both of these men's lives and, and Pharaoh throws them into prison. Just ironically, I think not. That's where Joseph gets put. Tell him I said hello. But he is in prison and notice what happens. They start having dreams. Wait, who? These people that he's in prison with start having dreams. God is going to have an effect on the people around you and he's going to start saying things to them that they don't understand. And so they're like, you're in charge of everything. Perhaps you could tell us what's going on. But Joseph responded in, in verse 8, don't interpretations belong to God? Look at the wisdom. Remember when he interpreted his own dreams? You remember when God gave him the dream and he interpreted it? Perhaps got it wrong because it wasn't necessarily explaining the vision. It was just saying the pictures that were in his head. But notice what he's learned through the process of development. Don't interpretations belong to God? You can tell them to me, but all I'm going to do, I'm not going to tell them to anyone else. I'm going to go back to the one who called me. You may think you've got all the equipment you need. Because you've recognized that God is drawing you. But don't ever forget who your source is. You can't do anything without the source. And he makes, a, he makes them a promise. And he tells them the interpretation. God gives it to him. Tells the interpretation. He's like, look, the Pharaoh's going to call you. And you're going to get out of here one way or the other. You're going to get out of here. And when you get before Pharaoh, don't forget me, but just like what happens a lot, they forgot all about him. If we jump over to chapter 41, Jacob, help me out so they know that I am actually almost done. Getting into Genesis chapter 41. We start seeing that these men come before Pharaoh one loses his life, the other gets put back into position. And years go by. Don't get impatient while you are in development. Joseph never stopped being faithful just because it was uncomfortable. Yes, he should have been out of prison, but it wasn't time because there was still something to learn in prison. Don't get ahead of God in the process. Years go by. Pharaoh has a dream and nobody can interpret it. And the cupbearer overhears is like, hold up, Pharaoh. Like, dude, like, serious. I remember a guy. I don't know why I forgot all about this, but I remember a guy. I know a guy. He, he interpreted my dream when I was in prison because of what you made me go to prison for. And, and like he told me, that, and it all came to pass. And Pharaoh says, bring Joseph forward. To, and he actually hears from God and he tells Pharaoh what the dream means again remember it's not him he remembers that God is his source he doesn't run his mouth he only speaks what God gives him so in verse 38 of chapter 41 so Pharaoh asked his officials can we find a, mind, a man like Joseph one in whom the spirit of God is present can we find somebody like that Like we need to look around can we find anyone like that 
One in whom the Spirit of God is present. So Pharaoh says to Joseph, notice this. Remember, this is the punk kid who's never done anything but get captured and sold and put in prison and get hit on. Because God has enabled you to know all there is. There is no one as wise and discerning as you are. Remember the dream that the little kid had? And he was very immature and not wise with it. Just a few years later, the king of the world is saying, I've never met anyone as wise as you. Don't forsake the time of development and don't get ahead of God. He's putting things in you that you need to have in you so that you can be a better influence on the world around you. Don't get ahead of God. Don't get out from under spiritual authority. Don't go looking for another one just because you don't like the way the one who is developing you is developing you. Trust the process. Trust the process. Y'all with me? Trust the process. Because God has enabled you to know this. There's no one as wise and discerning as you are. You will oversee my household. Wait, wait a minute. This is the king of the world giving this prisoner oversight over the household, but not there. And all my people will submit to your commands. Who are his people? The world. This is the king of the world telling Joseph, you're going to be in charge of everything. Only I, the king, will be greater than you. Verse 41, see here, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I place you in authority over all of Egypt. Drop down to the end of verse 45. So Joseph took charge of all the land of Egypt. Notice he did not take charge the day that he got the dream. I also want you to hear this in case it got glossed over in your mind. God had not spoken to Joseph yet. Only in dreams where things did not make sense. But Joseph was faithful when he did not understand everything. And God said, I can work with that. You came here this morning and you don't understand why you're going through what you're going through. It's because God has got you in the development stage. Doesn't mean you're not called. I haven't heard from God. That's okay. He's heard from you. I don't understand what he's doing. Yeah, He understands. He knows the plans that he has for you. And once he shows them to you, in that day when you pray, he will hear and answer your prayer. Don't rush the process. Y'all with me? Why is this happening? Why am I going through? Why is my family going through what I'm going through? Why do we have to keep? Why does it feel like every time we take a step, we get pushed back three or four times? Because God's developing you. He's not done. And if he trusted you with the vision on day one, you would drop it because you don't have wisdom yet. You got to go through the process. Hear me. Pastor's mad. No, I'm not mad. He's coming for me. I promise you I'm not. I don't have anyone in my mind right now that this applies to except for everyone breathing in this room. Myself included. It's easy to get ahead of God. But we need to learn to lock down and be faithful in the process and say, I'm not going anywhere. Why do we have to go through the series about prayer and go to the altar? Because that's where you learn faithfulness. That's where wisdom is imparted to you. When you can go before the altar, even when it's not comfortable, even when you don't know how to pray, even when you don't know what to say, even when it's inconvenient, you go to the altar and say, I'm not letting go. When you stop making room for everything else in your life and say, no, my relationship with, with God is more important than anything else. When you take your drama and you put it on the back burner so you can get closer to God, God says, I can work with that. I called you. I gave you a dream. I've locked you into a vision. That's why I've got spiritual authority in your life. There's already a vision, but you won't understand it yet. But I'm giving you the dream to show you little bits and pieces. Can you be faithful with what I've given you? Somebody hear me. He will develop you 
but he's going to develop you in the process. He's not done. And does, does this apply to me? Yes, it does. God made an appointment with you today because he wants you to hear, I've got better things in store for you, but stay faithful to the process. The story goes on, chapter 41. Joseph is put in charge of everything. He's in charge of all of the nation. He's in charge of all of the world getting ready for this famine that God gave the vision of. God placed him in, he places him in the position to be able to steward what is going to happen. But you have to understand this. If he had not been faithful with the dream when he was a child, he never would have been able to handle the barns of plenty. Everything from the beginning, being hated by his brothers, being sold into slavery, being sold to Potiphar, being hit on by Potiphar's wife, going to prison, being forgotten in prison, was all to get him to the palace to make him in charge of everything. But it would not have happened if any of this had been overlooked. Is it comfortable? Absolutely not. Is God working through it? You better believe he's working through it. Has he forgotten you in the process? No. But I'm in the pit right now. That's okay. He's getting ready to put you in the house. But you're not in the house yet. you got to learn the wisdom of the pit so that you can learn the wisdom of the house, so you can learn the wisdom of the prison, so you can handle the responsibility of everything else. Be faithful. The wisdom comes. And we see that God is getting ready to turn the entire story around toward the end of chapter 41, verse 50. It says there were two sons born to Joseph. But I want you to notice verses 51 and 52. Notice this. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh, saying, Certainly God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's house. Why name your kid this? Two reasons. Joseph finally was in the place in the development of wisdom in his life that he understood that God had a plan bigger than what he understood in his finite mind. And when he surrendered to God's plan, every bit of attraction to comfort was released from him. And the moment that he was released from his attraction to comfort, all of the sorrow of his situation was completely washed away. Somebody hear me. Why won't God take the hurt away? Because you're hanging on to the comfort. You got to let go. You need to have a Manasseh moment and realize that I've been faithful. God's been developing me and he is letting me loose of comfort. Because you see, comfort is not a blessing. Comfort is an anchor pulling you down. And you can't handle deliverance until you're willing to let go of comfort. I know that doesn't align with American thought, but it's still true. But we're not done. Look at what he says in verse 52. He named the second child Ephraim, saying, Certainly God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Had to give you all that foundation to get here. And y'all, that's not even the end of Joseph's story. There's more. Go read it. Go, go read the rest of the book of Genesis. It's amazing what God does in his life. God wasn't done with him. But there was a place that Joseph came in the development stage of his life where he stopped trying to get ahead of God. And he entrusted what God had entrusted to him to just be patient in the moment. And in this moment, God begins to impart wisdom to him. And he lets go of comfort. And he recognizes the truth and the reality that this entire time, God's been working even though I didn't see him working. If you continue reading, and if you've, if you've ever spent any time in the Bible, you, you've heard this, famine comes and his family come back and he has an opportunity to literally provide for his brothers. Everything that he saw in his dream actually takes place. 
He's sitting there in the place of authority over his brothers as they bow on the ground in front of him, just like he saw in his dream. He didn't understand it. But now you've got to imagine he's sitting in the throne room, speaking Egyptian, whatever their language was. And these people who he knows exactly who they are, the people that had sold him into slavery years and years ago, the people who hated him because he had a dream, the people who looked down on him because he was faithful, he's right there and he, he, he's like literally, they're bowing in front. You've got to imagine what's going on in his life. Plays a little game with them just because that's what siblings do. Ultimately, the whole plan is he gets dad and the rest of the family and his little brother, Benjamin, and, and all of them are together with him. You get toward the end of Genesis and, and his father, Jacob, dies. And, then, and like they all come together. They bury Jacob and, and like the brother's like, oh, now Jacob's gone. He's coming for us. It's... But he says something really, really powerful. And this is, I had to say all that to get to this point right here. He looks at his brothers and says, hey, 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 guys, stop. I was faithful with my dream. But what you did taught me wisdom. And I'm letting go of my right to vengeance. I'll get them back. Cut me off in traffic and watch what I do to you. Take advantage of me. Watch how I get you back. Unfriend me on Facebook. I will cancel your entire existence. Say something I don't agree with. I'll get everybody to gang up on you. Look at me funny on a Sunday morning. And I will cut you. Sound like us? I don't agree with what you're doing. I better go on Facebook and tell the world about it. He was faithful in the dream. The pit and the prison taught him wisdom. And because he allowed God to teach him wisdom, all of his suffering was taken away and his desire for vengeance was gone. And he looks at him and says, you meant this for evil. But the Lord took the entire situation and turned it around for something good. So I actually thank you for what you did. Imagine being able to look in the face of your adversary and say, you meant it for evil. But I learned a lesson that I can never unlearn because of what you did. By the way, person who took advantage of me, thank you. My parent abused me when I was a child. Then you let go of the suffering and let God teach you wisdom and you can go back to that situation and say, you meant it for evil, but God used it to prove his faithfulness to me. I was taken advantage of. I was raped. I was marginalized. That's what you meant it for. Thank you. Pastor, this is strange. I don't know what to do. Hey, you got to get to the place where you understand who you are. Calling is not position. Calling is identity. And when you are called by God, you receive an identity that you are his and you are not of this world. You are not less than. You are the child of the living almighty God. And when you can accept this reality, it does not matter what's been done to you. You rest in the reality of who he is and you're faithful with that calling and you learn the wisdom of the experience and the suffering goes away. And then you can look in the face of your adversary. Thank you. And the devil's just been wrecking my life. Yo, Lucy, thank you. Because every time you attack me, you're proving the faithfulness of my God. Mark Chass, how many more times we got to go through hell with what the enemy's trying to do to Mariah? I don't know. Mariah, how many times do you question, oh my God, why is God allowing me to do that? I don't know, babe. I don't know. I'm not singling y'all out. I love y'all. I don't know why it keeps happening. 
But here's what I'm saying right now. Devil, I don't know why you've targeted this little perfect baby. Thank you. Because God's proving his faithfulness here. I don't like it. I don't like the situation. I might be in the pit. I might be in the prison. I don't like it. But thank you. Hey, brothers, thank you for selling me into slavery. Hey, Sister Potiphar, thank you for hitting on me because I got to go to prison. And when I went to prison, I got elevated to the second in command of the world. Thank you. Thank you. He can't just say this because he had a dream. He was faithful with the dream. And he gained the wisdom. And he let go of comfort. Here's my question for you this morning. Are you ready to go beyond where you are now into that next? Anybody tired of this situation? It's time to go to the next. You can't do it until you let go of what's happening. So here's my, here's my call right here. Everybody, all across the building, if you're ready to take a sip, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to throw both hands in the air. If you want to come down to the altar, the altar is open. I want you to come down, but I don't want you to come down defeated. I don't want you to come down like, oh, woe is me. I want you to come down, and I want you to say, I am taking a hold of the horns of the altar, and I'm not going to let go until God puts the development in me. Anybody willing to step out? The altars are open. Altar team, I need you to get ready because God is going to take some chains off of some people. Some people have been living in a prison. Some people have been living in a pit. And it's time for God to elevate you to where he's got you. What the enemy designed to tear you down, God is going to turn it around for his good right now. So on the count of three, if you're ready to have victory, I want you to leave your seat. I want you to leave the place of comfort. And I want you to come and stretch out all across this altar. Y'all ready? In the name of Jesus. One, two, three. Come, come find him. Come find a place to pray. Altar team, I don't want you to wait. I want you to go through and I want you to start casting off.